think what we learned yesterday was really very encouraging to me, very heartwarming, because usually when people talk about um, speaking in a way of, in a generous way and finding good in other people, um, it assumes, it sounds like to me that it assumes that you'll find that good in the other person, and then it's right on the surface. But yesterday, the Rebbe emphasized that um, the reason the person may be making a mistake is because they um, they don't know, they don't know any better, it's possible. Um, but it, it's also possible, the reason that they're making this mistake is because they they don't care. And the reason they don't care is because they're cold. And the reason they're cold, he says, is because they're so coarse and they're so entrenched in the physical. Because the person's so entrenched in the physical, doesn't feel the weight, doesn't feel the big mistake to be a big mistake. And more importantly, doesn't, not only does not feel this to be a big Avera, more importantly, he doesn't care, doesn't touch him. Why doesn't it touch him? So he gives the following analogy. Unbelievable analogy. Oh, good morning. Chaim Peretz, I didn't expect you to brave, brave the snow. I mean, the... <laughs> so, one of your fans is here from Las Vegas. He wants to meet you. Who's that? The guy who's listening to the podcast. Yeah. He always hears about Dr. Bressman. He wants to finally meet Dr. Bressman. <laughs> Good Shabbos. <laughs> anyway, so, yesterday there was an amazing thing that, that we learned, which is that sometimes a person you're speaking to is unaware of the, the severity of what they're doing, and more, I mean, sometimes it's not just that they're unaware of the severity, they really don't care. Why don't they care? They don't care because they are uh, frigid. And why are they so frigid? We said because they're entrenched in the physical. So, there goes the analogy of an animal. Some animals, all animals, aren't affected by beauty or the opposite. They don't, they don't, they don't walk out into the, into the field and say, oh, great, what a beautiful sunset. Um, it doesn't matter to them whether it's a beautiful sunset or it's a rainy day. It's all the same to them. The animal only is into his food and drink, and the things that you're, the, the things that you may be saying to somebody may be very eloquent and very meaningful, and very deep, and very inspiring. But you're in the realm of ideas. Just like an animal doesn't care about ideas, so a person may be so entrenched in the physical. That ideas don't matter to them. They're not using, they don't. They don't care about what makes sense to do and what doesn't make sense. And because they're in, making sense is a different realm. They're in the zone of an animal, and animals don't care about whatever idea is going to be presented. You're not talking their language even. You're saying an idea, but the person you're speaking to isn't into ideas. It's a fascinating. Um, uh, I think a fascinating idea that you're you're speaking a different language. Why? Is, what's what's different about the language you're speaking? It's not what you're saying. It's that you're saying anything. <laughs> so so I like this because because um, I think that it it makes the um, the playing field of the uh, of of what you, of what you're up against very um, very brings it home. You're not always. It's not always that that you're. Um, it's it's not that you have to be more understanding and more generous, and then all of a sudden it's there on the, underneath the surface, a person is just waiting for you to just be nice and generous. And sometimes you're talking to someone who is animalistic, 
And despite that, the Rebbe says, despite the fact the person is animalistic, you shouldn't um, leave your place. You shouldn't leave your place of humility. And uh, on the contrary, if you will be weak in your sense of self, you won't feel yourself to be so great, and you'll be, kimarpe means that your yeshus, your sense of self, is not there so much, then you will be able not only to um, not be guilty of other person's mistakes, but more, you'll be able to actually heal. The marpe also means to heal. The less you're, you have yeshus, the, more, the less you feel yourself, the more you'll be able to hone in on the other person and give them what they what they need to hear in a way that will inspire them. But this, the, the, the playing field that the Rebbe set yesterday is that there's a lot of digging to be done. And yeah, it, it's it, despite the fact there's a lot of digging to be done, the most important ingredient that needs to be in the conversation is that you're there with the other person. Um, God forbid when someone, someone wants to commit suicide, why, why the the the, the uh, suicide comes from a person not being able to see f- the future? They have one problem, a second problem, a third problem, a fourth problem, and it piles up, and they cannot imagine that things will ever get better, and and, and so they they just can't see it. So the way to heal that person, the first step of healing, is when someone else enters their world and doesn't give them sympathy. Sympathy is. You're standing there on top of the ground and someone's in a pit and you say, hey, it looks dark down there. Do you want a sandwich? That's sympathy. Empathy is you go down to the other person is and you say to the other person where they are, tell me more about how you feel. You're giving the other person uh, respect. You're asking them to, to share with you what's going on. You're, you you, you, you want to enter their zone. You want to be there with them. That's the that's our first step to, to, to being able to to, to have the, the, the uh, stage that the other person will hear anything you have to say. Anyways, that's an extreme example, but the number one thing that I said yesterday that you have to have while you're trying to share some words that will change another person's life is that you are, that, you're, that you put yourself um, in their shoes in the sense that you are not speaking down at them, but you are in a state of bittal. You find this in yourself. Um, you find this in yourself in some subtle form, but it's not that you find this in yourself in some subtle form, like, oh, I'm much better than you because whatever you have, I have in a subtle form. You realize that this, the severity of, of where you are because of your more advanced knowledge in, in, the, in, in what life is supposed to be about, you realize how important it is for you to do the right thing in your level. In other words, you look at somebody, let's say, who is a Ganif, and you find in yourself traces of Gneva. It's not that you say to yourself, I'm better than you because I have traces of Gneva and you're an actual Ganif. It's more like you are very contrite about your traces of Gneva. You're very upset about where you are, and that's why and you cry about where you are. Those traces of Gneva that you have in yourself, um, you, you took a piece of kugel before Shabbos, uh, when it was supposed to be for Shabbos, okay, fine. That 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 sounds that sounds not so bad, right? We we all, we're all we're all okay with that. That's not something we we find that even a trace of Neva. But it's things that we find a trace of Neva. So, like the Gemara says that uh, famous story about how this tzaddik knew someone was a Ganev. How did he know he was a Ganev? Because he saw how this person used another person's towel um, 
uh, without asking permission. So you could tell this person was actually an actual God. Anyways, the point is that you're aware of where you are and you're upset about that. And because you're upset about it, when you're talking to the person, you're talking to yourself about it. And that's why you're able to reach the other person. Because of the, the main ingredient, again, is the fact that you feel um, low-spirited. You feel that I'm in this. This is an issue I have to contend with. It sounds a lot also like, like AA, where they, tell, where they say that only someone who is, who is an addict can help another addict. Only when you're, you, you feel that you're in this, this game together with another person, you have been sober for four years, and your drug of choice was a lot less severe than this person's, but if you feel that you're contending with the same, the same beast, then you're able to speak to the other person. Okay. And that explained, as we concluded yesterday, that explains why many great tzaddikim would torture themselves. Even though the whole concept of inflicting tor- torture on yourself is something that, at least in previous generations, it was something that was done only by those who had bigger sins to contend with. But the great tzaddikim, they don't have those things. The reason they did this is because of the, uh, the, the sins of their generation, which they found in themselves to some extent. They found the sins of the generation that they did in themselves. But Tamadavar, who on the fourth line from the top of the page, on 343, the whole reason why they fasted and did other infliction of pain to themselves was because of the sin of the generation. And the tzaddik of the generation is considered culpable for the sin of the generation. Why? Not because, just because they are, they're alive at the same time. The great tzaddik of the generation finds in himself something of that our person he's talking to, that he knows about, in, in, in some, some, some form. He finds some subtle form of that, that uh, issue. Like the famous story, I think the Rebbe is referring to the story of the Mitl Rebbe, where this person was guilty of, uh, I think he worked in, the, in a morgue or something, and he used to uh, do terrible things um, with dead bodies. Uh, and that was his, uh, unfortunately, that was his uh, Sahara and he came to Mitl Rebbe, and Mitl Rebbe had to stop the audiences with everyone because he couldn't find this in himself. And the way I heard the story was was that the Mitzvah Rebbe finally continued the audiences, and he and he explained to whoever asked him that how he found this in himself was how he shares chassidus with other people. He shares something of his life, and people aren't aren't able to hear it. They're not they're not receptive. It's like injecting life into a dead body, like this person who was cohabiting, uh, etc. So the Mitzvah Rebbe found something in himself in some subtle form. That this of of this incredibly gross sin, so and and, and that's how they're, the the tzaddik is able to reach the other person. Why do have to do this? Why do you have to find it in himself? In order to help the other person, you have to find it in yourself. There's no other way. And there, if they're involved in in torture, because of the sin of the generation. So the rebuker has to have, be low-spirited, broken-hearted. The fact that he finds something not good in the other person and 
he has to ask himself, why is this happening in my time? This side of the generation has to ask himself, why is this happening in my lifetime? That's like Yechaziel, who we spoke about earlier, that he was in the middle of fasting and praying the base of English with everyone else, and suddenly a spirit of Hashem entered him and he had Ruach HaKadosh, and he didn't lose his place. He still felt, to, although he had Ruach HaKadosh, he still felt himself to be part of the people, in this with them. He considered himself to be just like everyone else. And when he was talking to them, he was talking to himself. Despite the fact that it's certain Yechazgil was way beyond everyone else. Because only someone who is fit for a position is appointed to a position. The Talmud says that even the Reish Gargusa, even the guardian at the well, is only appointed when uh, when the, there is divine providence that this, this person should be appointed as a guardian of the well. So although the guardian of the well doesn't seem to be a, such an important position, but yet if, if, you, if you were chosen to be the guardian of the well, it wasn't the people who chose you, it was God that chose you. I think that everyone said that if three people tell you this is something you should be doing, pay attention. That's not, you've been appointed. And although it's uh, uh, people, but it's something that Hashem has orchestrated, because of your gifts that you're able to do this position. So it may be something which doesn't seem so significant. Maybe you're just a guardian of the well. But if that's what Hashem has given you the ability to do, that's your thing. So Yechaziel wasn't appointed to be the guardian of the well. He was given... Yechaziel had a spirit of Hashem in him. He had Ruach HaKadosh. And despite the fact that he had Ruach HaKadosh, and yet despite this, he was amidst the people. considered himself just like everyone else. He had this humility to consider himself equal with everybody else. However, as we learned earlier, Zechariah had the exact opposite experience. Zechariah was a son-in-law of the king. He was a son of the king. He was a prophet. He was a judge. He saw himself to be greater than everybody else and he rebuked them with Go for it. Try to get someone. What? Try to find someone. Could I just two more predictions? The guy's left. You could ask someone here Can if I they want. If someone stands in the middle, what? someone has to stand there. So, 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 he saw himself greater than everybody else. Start telling everyone the incredible punishment they're going to receive if they don't listen to what he has to say. What was his problem? What was the issue? There were two issues. One issue is he wasn't like Chaziel and he didn't consider himself to be part, part of the conversation. He's talking at them. He's not saying this is something I have to work on as well. He didn't. That was one issue. That's not the main issue. The main issue is not that he's talking at them, not with them. That's not the main issue. That's a problem. It's not the main problem. How do we know that's not the main problem? Often we find a Meisha Rabbeinu would speak to the Jewish people and he didn't say that he himself was guilty of the same mistake. So that wasn't the main problem. The main problem was that he spoke about the tr- terrible punishment that would befall them if they did whatever they were doing. One second. Wasn't that a message from Hashem? 
Why is that considered so bad? The way he said it was it was as if he didn't care about the pain of those people who were making these mistakes. These people who were going against the will of Mitzvah Hashem. He spoke to them in a way that, that was callous. He didn't care about their pain. So this is not considered such a great sin for anyone, but for Zechariah, who was the great tzaddik of his generation, it's considered a huge sin that he is so insensitive and so unaware of uh, of their of their um, their plight doesn't matter to him. It sounds very similar to the teaching of Baal Shanda. Baal says if someone tells you they have a problem, and you say to them, well, everything's by divine providence. If you say that to someone, Baal says you should know that's absolute evil. It's absolutely evil to tell someone who's going through an issue, going through a hardship, and say, oh, it's divine providence. That's what Zechariah did. Zechariah was saying, guys, this is really bad. Something bad's going to happen to you for what you're doing. You should know this. So the way he said it was, he didn't care about what was going to happen to them. That's how they, they heard from him, this is going to happen to you, I don't care. So that's the problem. The problem is that this callous um, statement, it's a true statement, and they have to know about it. But the problem is that he's saying it in a way he doesn't care what's going to happen to them. What he's supposed to do is, he's supposed to find himself that he ha- is also guilty of what's going on. He has also traces of what they're, the mistakes that they're making. And he has to fix up these same mistakes in his, by his own shuva. This is very common in time of Shem this is one of the, the novelties that the Vashantiv instituted. There used to be in time of Vashantiv preachers who would go around from city to city and they would begin their talks often with, There are seven levels of hell. And they would go through the, the, the description of the Talmud about hell. And they would tell people what hell is like and how terrible they would, they, they would suffer if they continued to make whatever mistakes they, they were making. And Vashantiv. He uh, went around with his um, with a, with a group of tzaddikim that he was part of before he became the leader of the group of tzaddikim, and he introduced this idea of Avas Yisrael, that that you can't talk in a way to someone that's going to hurt them. It's going to make them feel bad. The leader of the tzaddikim of the time of the Balshante before the Balshante took over was a mayor, and and a mayor once put his hands on the head of the Balshante and he said to him. A bracha shall come upon you because of your novel insight that we have to reach out to people with love. And it really changed everything because these, the, instead of having someone come to town who tells you that you're going to go to hell, they, they would talk to people and, and encourage them and lift them up. So, so the, the reason why someone is able to go and say you're going to go to hell is because they don't care what's going to happen to the other person. And that's why it has this adverse effect. Like a person doesn't 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 like that as it happened to Zacharia. So um, actually, the year that Amir said this to the Baal Shem Tov was the year Tafayin Beis. So it was very in sync with the acronym of that year, as the previous paper writes, Tavilecha Bracha, the Bracha that came to Baal Shem Tov because of his new novel way of serving Hashem of, of, of Avsisno. So step number one is to find in yourself in this issue that you're talking to the person about, and working on that issue yourself. And further, besides the fact that you can fix something in yourself, which is really needs to be fixed, 
Besides that, when you do that, you're also empowering people in your time to fix their mistake. That's why the Medish continues and says, anyone who leaves their humility, they sin to the generation and they cause death. What does that mean? They cause death, they sin to the generation? What are we talking about? If someone leaves their humility, they're not going to be able to affect and refine others in the proper, appropriate way. If you are the great side of the generation and you have the ability to protest or you have the ability to make an impact, God must have given you the power to do that. And you should do it. And if you're not doing it for whatever reason it is, you're not refining people and you're not doing what Hashem wants you to do. And that's why it says, if you leave your, your humility, you are sinning to your generation. Why? Besides the fact that you have not elevated, that you have not changed. What God wanted you to change, you are sinning to your generation by not fixing their sins. You're able to help them, and you are doing an injustice to them by not relating to them and helping helping them change. And then the, the Medrash says, if you leave your humility, you're causing death to yourself. What's the mean? Why death? So the answer is, in Judaism, there's no, such con- there's no real concept of death as it is in the physical sense. Death in the physical sense in Judaism only means a light left a vessel. So what is the opposite of death? Opposite of death is life. Sifting through the sparks in the physical world and finding the good that's there in Hashem's world and putting it into where it's meant to be, meant to be is called life. God gives us a piece of bread. God tells us, you do not live on bread alone. You live because there's a spark of Hashem that animates you in this piece of bread. So you're meant, when you eat a piece of bread, to say a bracha, and to think about how Hashem is sustaining you, and that your intent is not to get sustenance from the bread itself, rather from the godly energy that's in the bread, and to use the godly energy for what Hashem wants you to accomplish, accomplish this day. So that's how you elevate the spark of Hashem in this food. And whatever experience you're going through, if you focus on God's intent and God's energy in that experience, you are touching and elevating the godliness in that physical thing that you're involved in. That's life. The, the, the godly energy in that piece of bread is called life, and elevating it is creating life. The head of Nikashemisa, but focusing only on the opaque physical veneer of that experience that you're involved in, that's called death. You're not, you're not touching the life that's here. You're, you're, going, you're focusing on, on just the, uh, the exterior, the body. So when the tzaddik of the generation is not doing his job, he's not trying to fix the problems of his generation, he's not doing his job, he's not elevating the sparks, therefore he's causing death himself. Death himself doesn't mean that he just deserves a death penalty, it means that he is not creating the life he can by, by focusing on um, his own fault and how he's part of the issue and 
he can, can identify with the issue himself and working on himself, by him not doing all that, he is speaking, he ends up speaking down to the people, and because of that, he's not making any positive impact on their lives, and that's why it's called the opposite of life. He's able to create life. He's able to, the Rebbe once said about the previous Rebbe, the previous Rebbe was a person, the Rebbe said, who brought life to every person came in contact with. So if Hashem put you in a certain experience in your, by yourself, and how much more so with others, the goal is Chaim. The goal is there should be life. Chaim is the only word in the Hebrew alphabet, in the Hebrew language, that there has no uh, word in the singular. Chaim can only be said in the plural. Because life means, the Rebbe said, to give life to someone else. So you're able to find the godly life in this physical object. You're able to find life in someone else. You're able to reach for that. How do you reach for that? You have to, you have to put yourself down. My uh, Elta Zayda, Rizal Nevler, when he was uh, in a DP camp in Poking in Germany, they had this little shul, and the shul had a very low um, uh, door. And so one guy was running into the shul, and he slapped his forehead on the top of the, of the lintel, top of the door. And uh, so Nebula said, ah, you don't want to lower your head. don't want to lower your head. It wasn't, wasn't the kindest thing to say at the time, but it, 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 the, the idea is that in order to reach someone, you have to lower your head. That's the first thing you need to do. If, you're not, if, you want, if you want to reach other person, you want to do your, your job, you found out about the situation, you want to help someone, step number one is got to lower your head and find this in yourself, and then you, you create life, you find the life in the other person, life in yourself, and L'chaim, uh, L'chaim, we, uh, we should be there. L'chaim, Um Funny question, so we're not supposed to study Torah on Yashka's, uh, you know, that comes out tomorrow, how does that work? So, so Rabbi Weinberg, always Shalom, he uh, once asked her what to do, he would always have, the, have this radio show, we taught Tanya, yeah. On Saturday night, and one year it was December twenty fourth. So the Rebbe told him that he should say chassidish stories. Yeah. 